Welcome back to The Federal Drive with Tom Temin. Federal News Radio, part of the Federal News Network. Budgets have always been about values. That's true for both companies and governments. But the federal budgeting process has, in the view of my next guest, devolved into little more than loyalty signaling to each party's so-called base. Joining me in studio with how budgeting might be improved, Philip Wallach, Senior Fellow for Governance at the R Street Institute. Mr. Wallach, good to have you in. Glad to be here. Why don't we start with a review of how budgeting is supposed to work? Here we are in the midst of ostensibly legislative discussions and contemplation over the 2020 fiscal year federal budget, and uh, it doesn't sound anything like contemplative deliberation over the budget. How should it run? Well, the textbook model goes like this. There's three parts, uh, each of which has its own purpose. There's budgeting, where you sort of set the, the levels of spending and the sort of general structure. There's authorizing where each committee goes through all of the active programs and decides whether they're functioning as as originally contemplated. And then there's appropriating where the detailed work of actually handing the money goes on. And the appropriator is supposed to go through all those authorized programs, see how much was budgeted in an area, and, and, and make their appropriations. Now, one reason it's so hard for regular people to sort of keep that all in their head is because the real system doesn't work anything like that. In practice, a whole lot of our spending programs get funding even though they're unauthorized. The budgeting process has just devolved uh, to a point where it's not really clear what function it serves. Uh, And so the appropriators end up doing a lot of the work, but much of what they do is they just repeat what they did last year because that's sort of the easiest thing to keep things going. And there's always this dance when the administration, whichever it might be, comes out with this hundreds and hundreds of pages, now PDF pages, but they still print some. And everybody always says, well, it's dead on arrival. And so there's almost like a kabuki dance that people go through and everyone knows everybody's doing it, yet they can't seem to stop themselves. Right. Well, we have presidential budgets and the congressional budget is supposed to be a response to that. Uh, You know, ideally, that's a process for compromise between the administration and the Congress. But in, in fact, the appropriators just disregard these documents almost entirely now. So they're just messaging exercises. And the other issue is that they have decided that they only have discretion, that is Congress and the White House, over one third of the actual federal spending. And there's a big part of it they can't do anything about, which is spending of, on debt service for the, for the growing national debt. But then there's Social Security and Medicare, Medicaid, and all of that, which is called non-discretionary. But in fact, under the Constitution, everything is discretionary with Congress. Yeah, they certainly can do something about it if only they wanted to. But but yeah, as as you said, they've they've put about two-thirds of federal spending on autopilot at this point. So Congress doesn't even need to consider it for that money to go out the door. Yet they do need to consider it for the long-term fiscal health of the country. And they say that in some forums— both sides, but they don't say it in the halls of Congress when they're actually deliberating. Yeah, I mean, you can certainly find members of Congress sort of scratching their chins and saying the right things about the long-term fiscal health of the nation, but actually trying to find members who are making it a priority and seeking to ensure that the institution takes action on those things, it's, it's pretty tough to find these days. All right. And with respect to that idea of signaling to the loyal base and so forth, how did that all get to be the way it is? Well, I, th- I think, you know, 
It is a chance to articulate big priorities for the party. So, I mean, obviously Paul Ryan's budgets were very controversial. Some people thought they were uh, more wishful thinking to signal to the base than, than others. But arguably, they sort of set out a really important policy trajectory for his party, and that was an important marker. Um, so there's sort of a slippery slope from setting out an important path that may not be politically open today to just sort of setting out uh, things that, that make your core supporters excited. And now we have divided government with the House and the Democratic hands, so that's even more of a traffic jam. Yeah, I'm, and the truth is neither party today seems terribly interested in, in curbing spending. So they, they do a lot of big talk, and then at the end of the day they can come together and say, well, how about we just – take last year's spending levels and up them a little bit, and that keeps things going. We're speaking with Philip Wallach, Senior Fellow for Governance at the R Street Institute. Now, you've outlined some ways that could bring the government back to reasonable spending. Uh, What are some of those? Well, I think there are some members of Congress now who are just ready to throw up their hands and say, "This, this is a failure. We need to try something entirely different. So uh, one one alternative being uh, discussed, uh, Senator Michael Bennett's office has been putting this out, is to just get rid of the budget committees and instead create a joint fiscal responsibility commission that would uh, that would have every Congress have the opportunity to offer sort of a big debt reduction package. An- another possibility is to collapse the authorizing and appropriating functions to say, hey, these authorizing committees right now feel like they aren't a meaningful part of the process. If they were actually the ones making the spending choices, then they would have real power and that would sort of rebalance Congress toward the committees and that might be a healthy development. Yes, because there's often saying, you hear it from time to time, that there's three parties. There's Democrats, there's Republicans, and there's appropriators. And how would you ever get appropriators to give up that particular Piece of well, that is they have. that is quite a thorny political puzzle, but uh, but it's exciting that people are at least talking uh, about big changes and reckoning with the the failure of the current process. All right, so if that was collapsed, how might things look? If if there was one big budget commission and no process for authorization and no separate process for budgeting, well, you'd have authorizing appropriating as one function that would be farmed out to the different committees. So each of them would have the power to fund the agency that they look after every year. Um, There are a lot of questions that I'm not so sure about how that would work. Would each committee just be able to create a partial government shutdown every year? You know, there's a lot of questions that need to be answered. Um, I think with uh, getting rid of the budget committees and having this um, joint fiscal responsibility committee, the idea there is that that committee would have a fast-track legislation ability where they would put together a truly genuinely bipartisan package that would be guaranteed floor consideration in both houses as a way of saying both parties are going to need to hold hands and jump if we're going to really take responsibility for our long-term debt problems. And what about the civil service, which is a repository of a lot of expertise about programs, even though they can't take sides and weigh in politically? Could they have a role, a meaningful role, in helping Congress, helping Republicans and helping Democrats decide what the priorities might best be? Well, I think the truth is that Congress is going to rely a whole lot on the executive branch expertise as as they try to make uh, spending decisions. And, you know, they're going to 
be wary to depart too far from the status quo. So I, I think those those sort of sources of institutional memory are always going to have their influence. Philip Wallach is Senior Fellow for Governance at the R Street Institute. Thanks so much for joining me. My pleasure. We'll post a link to his budget essay and to this interview at federalnewsnetwork.com slash Federal Drive. Take the Federal Drive wherever you go. Subscribe at Apple Podcasts or Podcast One. Still to come on Federal News Radio, the Justice Department reaches deep into the education system to get kids interested in justice. It's the Federal Drive with Tom Tamman. Federal News Radio, part of the Federal News Network. <coughs> Cough and cold season is here. Introducing Ricola Max Throat Care, Ricola's most powerful drop yet. It's the best of Swiss nature wrapped around a powerful liquid menthol center for maximum relief from your worst cough and sore throat. Maximum nature for maximum relief. Try the new Ricola Max now, available in the cold and cough aisle. Ricola. It's in our nature.